Greetings, I'm Tom Hensky, the host of The Affluent Advisor. With almost three decades under my belt in working with advisors, I've found that the best way to stay current on our craft is through peer-to-peer education. It's always a great feeling when we can learn something new or just brush up on that planning technique that we haven't thought about in a while. But where do we as personal finance, tax, and estate planning experts go to sharpen the saw? The Affluent Advisor is a place where advisors, whether they be accountants, attorneys, insurance professionals, or financial planners can come to get small bite-sized pieces of information from our peers to keep us current and knowledgeable on a wide variety of topics. Join us on a journey to grow as practitioners, one that benefits both you and ultimately the clients that you advise. Welcome back. One thing advisors need to really sharpen that saw on is how to navigate the social security program in our country. So I've been an advisor for over 28 years and been working with high net worth families to make sure that they protect that wealth. Uh, But we continue to get this question when they get in their mid 60s of how do I handle this social security thingy? And I always chuckle when I hear them refer to it as thingy, despite the fact that we all uh, pump a significant amount of money into the Social Security Administration system through our tax dollars. Few of us really understand how it works. And I find that to be so ironic. So on to speak with us today is Dave Freitag, a great resource on this subject. Dave's been with MassMutual for the last 10 years, has carved out a really interesting niche for himself as an expert on the topic of social security, how the system works, and how our clients can maximize their retirement payments from the system that they've contributed to over the years of payroll deductions on and on and on. Welcome, Dave. How are you? Tom, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for the invitation. And yeah, I'm passionate about this subject. One of the reasons is I'm ex- I'm receiving it. So that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a real motivation for it, right? Yeah, that's right. Sure. So Dave, last month, MassMutual released a, a latest study that they've done in the past on Social Security, and it's a quiz. And it's a quiz they gave to probably like 1,500 near retirees. Right. What was the result this time around? Well, unfortunately, it's predictably bad. (laughs) We have really a a lack of working knowledge about how Social Security works. Uh, Of the 14 questions that we ask 1,500 people, uh, basically 69% of them failed out of 1,500 people. There was 1% that got them correct. I'm kind of looking at these notes. 3% just missed one question and 11% missed two questions. And these aren't crazy questions. I think they're very interesting questions. Wow, that seems uh, that seems really lacking. Is this a complex test? Uh, is it something that um, people near retirement need to be an- be able to answer these questions a little more efficiently? Well, you know, Tom, when we wrote these questions. We tried to make them things that everyone who's contributing to the system should know. I'll give you a couple of examples. I think this is one. I'm just going to kind of quote from the uh, from the study. Uh, if, I, if a spouse passes away, will I receive my full benefit and my deceased spouse benefit, the full benefit? 
Now, 65% of the people knew that that was a false statement. They knew that the benefits would go down. But I always look at the flip side. That means 35% were confused about how much they were going to receive if they lost a spouse. I mean, the reality, this is a 100% certain event that's going to happen sometime in the future. And people need to prepare for it. You know, when I use my presentations, I ask people, if you knew that there was 100% certainty coming and it wasn't good, wouldn't it make some sense to plan in advance for that? Right. You would and think, right? You would, yeah. you would think that would make sense. But you can't plan for it in advance two or three years. You have to be in the Social Security system looking at making solution decisions in your 50s and 60s because the event's probably going to happen in the 70s or 80s. So I think advanced planning is the key to this. But so many folks just assume in this particular case, 35% think that they're going to get both of the checks. Unbelievable. Wow. And tell me about the definition of Social Security. Like, what, what are we talking about here? Just can you make it 30,000 feet for all of us? Well, Social Security, a program was established in 1935, uh, is kind of the core of the the three-legged milk stool that we always talk about, company benefits, government benefits, and personal savings. Uh, and if you're going to have a three-legged stool that's stable, you pretty un should understand how those three support pieces work. Uh, and one of the mandatory decisions that people need to make about Social Security is when to start it, how to maximize it, you know, what's the best strategy to follow. Uh, it's paid for by payroll taxes, 6.2% uh, matched by your employer, 6.2% up to the Social Security wage base this year of 160200 Those contributions are going in and fund this system. <clears throat> so it makes some sense to me, if you're making substantial contributions, as you alluded to, why don't we figure out how to make it work and maximize it for the rest of our retirement life? So that's sort of at the high level of uh, this is an important program. And the capital equivalency, Tom, of this Social Security check is something a lot of people don't understand. Let's talk about that for a second. If I walked into uh, Tom and said, could you guarantee me uh, an income, make up the number $6,000 a month starting at age 70, adjusted for inflation at 2% per year for me and for my wife, Jenna, would I have to write you a big check to get a uh, guaranteed income that looks like that? And Tom would say, yeah, Dave, you got to be looking at north of a million and a half bucks, not an insignificant number in capital equivalency. And, and I think people are, are kind of lulled to sleep a little bit when they say, well, okay, $6,000 a month, is that a big deal? Yeah, that's a big deal, particularly when it's an interest adjusted or inflation adjusted cash flow. Right. And if you think about it, the time that those dollars came out of our paycheck were probably years that we were just getting started. So yeah. that amount, that percentage was a big percentage back yes. when we were just out of college, if you think about it like that. Sure. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> for sure. I, I just am amazed that this capital equivalency question is forgotten. And I always remind people, it takes a lot of money to generate five, $6,000 a month for the rest of your life adjusted for inflation. So here's one thing, Dave, that I never really quite grasped. There's um, a benefit to delaying your payments, right? And I, sure. and I don't re actually remember what the percentage is per year, but can you just walk through that briefly so people can understand? 
Yeah, there's a key definitional term, and that's called full retirement age. That's a fulcrum. Remember the old seesaws or teeter-totters we used to use when we were running on the playgrounds? That seesaw, that, that full retirement age is the fulcrum in that seesaw. Benefits taken before your full retirement age are reduced actuarially because longevity indicates you would pay them for a longer period of time. I get that. On the other hand, if you take benefits after your full retirement age, and this is the number you were looking for, you get a delayed retirement credit, and that's 8% per year simple interest between your full retirement age and age 70. That could, in many cases, well, in my case, could lift it by 32% because uh, I was born before 1955. But on the other hand, if you think about that 8% per year simple interest lift to a cash flow that's five or $6,000 a month adjusted for inflation, that's a huge amount of leverage. And it pays off for people who have longevity. Longevity is the driver. It's the secret sauce that makes this entire system work. Uh, my particular case, my mother died at 95, my father at 92. I have longevity in my DNA, right? My wife doesn't. Her mother died at 75 and her sister at 72. Everybody's different. So you have to coordinate these combination factors. Uh, and I use this expression all the time. We want the solution for Social Security filing to be a custom-made suit, hand-tailored dress. It cannot be a general rule applied to everybody. So it requires some thought, some modeling. And by the way, software tools are out there that help people make these modeling good decisions. Can you tell me about how you use the, that software? Yeah, we use it in real time. Uh, I think people would like to see how you get to the solution, not just the solution. It's the process that people like to see. Okay, what if I change my longevity assumption? What happens uh, you know, if interest rates are different? What are the cost of living changes? And a married couple, 62 years of age, just based on their age, have 81 different ways to file for Social Security. Uh, Bob's got nine ways. Mary's got nine ways. Nine times nine is 81 different solutions. Uh, this is a complex process. And computers do a couple things well and some things not so well. But one thing they do well is math. Uh, and the idea behind this is let's do the math. Let's see if we can see it in real time and come up with an optimization strategy that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what we're discovering with our study is that we want people to get more involved in the process. We want those guys not to 69% of the time failing the test. Yeah. You know, what really blows my mind is that I remember studying days, weeks, hours for the CFP. I don't remember a whole lot of discussion about social security. So this whole mass mutual study just really blows my mind because it's a question that's out there and maybe not a question that we as advisors are equipped. So regarding the study, any other questions that popped off the page to you that you said, wow, I can't believe uh, that one. Well, the one that's failed always, and we've been doing this study for several years, back to back to back to back is do I have to be a US citizen to collect social security benefits? Uh, the, the average number on that is crazy. 29% of the people got that question right. Because the answer is you don't have to be a US citizen to collect social security. If you're working legally in this country and paying the money into the system, you have the 
ability to take those benefits out. Um, and it's just amazing that folks said, well, hey, you've got to be a citizen. No, you have to pay the money and you get the benefit as a result of that. Another one that's kind of cool <clears throat> is the definition of full retirement. We sort of just talked about that. A lot of people just assume that full retirement is 65 because it lines up with Medicare. Well, that was true for my father. Mine, because I was born before, uh, I was born really before this change started to take place. Mine is 66. But there's many people in this country who are born in 1960 or later uh, whose definition of full retirement is 67. Uh, that's an important thing to know because if you go back to that seesaw again, that fulcrum, that's the key around which every one of these calculations is made. And there's lots of confusion about that. Well, I, I'm laughing here as we talk because I'm thinking about my own kids uh, who are like in late high school, early uh -huh. college. They're probably going to be at age 100 will be their normal <laughs> retirement year, right? Well, that's a good assumption. You know, there's an enormous amount of debate about the future of the system right now in Washington, D.C. And one of the suggested solutions to the funding shortfall that might occur in 2034, 2035 is to increase the retirement age. It, this has happened before. In 1983, there was a very important, significant commission uh, sponsored by President, at that time, Reagan and Tip O'Neill, Speaker of the House, that they hired uh, a business consultant, Alan Greenspan, to sort of set the ship back on firm status for the rest of the, certainly the next 50 years. And, and one of the things they did is to gradually change the definition of full retirement age. So in this particular case, what we have is a definition that's morphing. We're in the middle of that right now. If you were born between 1955 and 1960, each year difference increases your full retirement age by two months. So, so it's, it's a very interesting combination of things. So we have folks confused about that. So, Why? Because of the rules. They're kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, like I said, it's the, the black hole for yeah. us as advisors and our clients. So right. just thinking back to the study in prior yeah. years, is my memory corrected? It felt like the study was a little bit different this year than it had been in the past with mass mutual. Am I right about that? Or am I making that up? No, no, that's, that's absolutely correct. We repeated this, some of the basic 14 questions, but what we added were some extra questions, bonus questions. And one of those bonus, at least bonus questions were trying to find out people's view about their retirement, the bigger picture, so to speak. Uh, but the, the one takeaway I think I took from this one uh, was a question of what percentage of your income is going to be coming from Social Security? And 43% of the people had no idea. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Well, that means that the other, that they don't know the rest of the story. I mean, they don't know how the picture, the, the puzzle pieces haven't been put together in a view of what the future could look like. And again, uh, I think folks need software tools to do that. They need an opportunity to take a look at all these different components and different pictures and come up with that view for the future. So there's some confidence uh, about decision-making and they make choices. I use this line all the time. I want people to make decisions on purpose and not by accident. Uh, the key to this whole to this whole planning process is to understand choices and make them unique and specific to you. 
Really interesting. Really, really interesting. Any other things that turned up in the study that retirees need to think about? Well, I, I just think people need to take a holistic view. Uh, they not need to not get bogged down uh, in the minutiae until they understand what the end result is going to be. That's a classic expression. Uh, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. That's that's what we need to do. We need to have people see what's the objective. One of the most difficult questions we've found working with clients is, how much do you need? It's amazing. Well, I kind of need what I got now. Really? Is that really what you need? Or I need something different. That's a homework assignment we give to people all the time in our discussions. You've got to come back and tell me how much you need, because that's ultimately the end objective for doing the, the planning that we need to take. Yeah, I guess one of the big takeaways that I hear you saying is just the fact that for some of America, this winds up being a huge part of their retirement plan. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I think you're saying is that even if it's not a huge percentage of your retirement plan, it's still significant. Am I hearing you right? You are hearing me absolutely well. And, you know, if it's not a, if it's not a huge part of your retirement plan, and we have lots and lots of people in that situation, they still, this still represents a cash flow that can be used for important things. It might be used for legacy giving. It might be used for transfers. It might be used for children or grandchildren. Maybe they don't need it for that, for their own lifestyle. But, wow, why not capture government income sources that you've paid for for over 35 years and put it to some good use. And it's that good use objective we want people to understand. How can we maximize this and make it work for us? That might have very far-reaching consequences even beyond their own pocketbook. Dave Freitag, thank <laughs> you and Mass Mutual for coming on today. We really appreciate it. This is a, a piece of the planning pie that we as advisors need to get right for our clients. It's a significant amount of money because we've paid in a significant amount of money. And that's why, like you said, probably a lot of things that we could do for that, for our family and for our legacy, even if we don't even need it for our own retirement plan. So Dave, thanks so much for being on today. Time's a real pleasure. Let's do it again. Great. Take care. Sure. Thank you for joining us today. Please remember that any views or opinions expressed during this podcast are those of our guest and do not necessarily express those of the Affluent Insurance Advisor. While the information in this episode may concern financial matters, it is not legal or tax advice and should not be construed as such. We encourage you to consult with your legal counsel or tax advisors on these matters. Tom Hensky is a registered representative and offers securities and investment advisory services through MML Investor Services, member SIPC. 90 Park Avenue, New York, New York, 10016, 212-536-6000.